following is a presentation of the Retro Network. Do you remember renting movies from a local video store? The perfect video store. Welcome to Blockbuster Video. Is popping up all over the country. Do you remember owning membership cards, dealing with late fees, and driving to several stores for the latest release? Right now, rent Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom and Cobra for just a dollar a day each. Then sit back and listen to the stories of the men and women who were on the front lines of video stores in their heyday. Friendly people, fast computerized checkout, free membership, and all our rentals are for three days, two nights. This is Rental Return, Tales from the Video Store. Let's meet today's video hero and hear their story. My name is Landel Goolsby. I worked at Nickelodeon Video in Fort Sumner, New Mexico from 1986 to 1989. Then Nickelodeon in Portales, New Mexico from 1989 to 1990. Portales Video from 1990 to 1992. And then I opened my own video store, Landel's Box Office from 1992 to 2019. Wow, this is fantastic. Sounds like we have a lot to get into. That's very exciting. But let's start at the beginning here. What is your earliest memory of going to a video store as a customer and uh, taking in that experience? So I grew up in a very small town in a rural part of New Mexico, and we couldn't get television, except we had an antenna, but it would only get one channel at a time, ABC or NBC, and we had to turn it with the pipe wrench to toggle between the channels. And I was obsessed with movies. And my grandmother would take me every summer to vacation in a hour away in a town called Portales, New Mexico. And they had a single video store there and we would get to rent Westerns. So my earliest thing is John Wayne Westerns. And because that was something that was clean that we could watch. And I remember the forbidden boxes of movies and had just how they would scare me, but it was also exciting. And I think uh, when you talk to a lot of people, they know the video horror section, which was a lot of our first idea of horror, terror, but also images that we hadn't ever seen before. Yeah, and so is that store the one you would go on to work at? Was it the same establishment? It was the same store, different owners. Okay, what was the layout like at that time? I'm assuming assuming this is like early 80s you were in there. It was uh, early 80s. It was a rehabbed real estate building. And so it just had, and, and it used to be a house. So you would walk in through a door and it would just have different rooms that they just kind of made the entrances larger. And so each room, and it was, you know, we didn't have shelving at that time. It was just still kind of new. And what was it? What was the original it wasn't a laser. Oh, was it a laser disc? Or are you talking about the CED discs where you had to? Yes. Yes. So that was uh, one of the first, but uh, everything was VHS or beta. That's wild. And now did you, aside from the Westerns, obviously you said you were fascinated by the horror movies. I'm assuming eventually you got a little bit more autonomy to rent for yourself. So what were your favorite films to start pulling off the shelf and say, can we get this one? So uh, Fort Sumner, which the entire county in New Mexico at the time had 2,500 people, and we had a small video store. 
and we grew up on a farm. We didn't have a lot of money. So I remember the first time we got to go rent, we rented a Betamax player and movies. The very first movies we rented Halloween, Terms of Endearment and Romancing the Stone. And I didn't really know of any of those, but somehow my very religious parents let me rent Halloween. And so we went home on a Sunday afternoon. And I remember just vibrating because I was so excited because this was movies in my home. We didn't have cable and we also didn't have much. So if you had cable and you lived in this big town of Fort Sumner, you had a lot of money. And so this was so exciting to me. And uh, I watched them all three with my mom. And I still love all, uh, how lucky did I get that I got to rent those three movies that are actually really good. <laughs> and what was Bob's reaction to Halloween? You know, it was, it's a scary movie. It's a scary movie. Yeah. I just remember just being horrified and we watched it during the daylight, but I just, I couldn't believe how good movies could be because you had all of the reactions, you know, just fear. And then terms of endearment and the action and love of romancing the stone. Yeah, that is quite a spread. That is something. So talk to us as your as your love of movies is growing, how did you then come to work in a video store? So Nickelodeon, 60 miles away, that was the flagship mother store. The new owner had a lot of extra VHS and Betamax in his station wagon in boxes. And I don't know the exact story. My sister doesn't remember he ran into my sister, who is six years older than I am, and he said, hey, I am looking to start a video store. My parents had rented a warehouse that had a storefront in the front that was empty, and we were using the back for storage. It literally fell into our lap in a way that doesn't make sense when I say it out loud now. My sister's like, I'll do it. My sister drove home with all of these VHS and a phone number to the owner, and that's how casual it was That's my family had no idea she was doing that she showed up and i'm in heaven thinking oh my gosh movies in my house she did it for a couple of weeks as you can understand in a small town it's not busy so i just kind of started doing it the owner had no idea how young i was i was 13 at the time and it just kind of happened like that so that's nuts you- isn't it yeah, I mean, that, that is crazy to just be like, hey, uh, guess what? This is kind of the family business now. It's just like we're a part of it. Um, do you recall like the actual like setup of that space? Like were you there helping out or did you just come in after it was already up and running? So I helped put it together. The storefront was uh, it used to have clothing. And so one wall was where they would put jeans. And so it was a bunch of wooden cubicles. And we could put two cases facing out. And then there was just a hodgepodge of counters. And we, you know, we had no money. We just put wood on the front and put a little lip on it to hold the movies. And it was just kind of thrown together, kind of like everybody who comes together to put on a show in the barn to save the town. That's kind of how it was. And so we just kind of repurposed a little clothing department of this warehouse uh, to put m- movies there. And this was a time where you had VHS and beta and the boxes were really different sizes. So you had to make them fit. So there was a art to where this box had to go to next just because things would fit. Yeah, that's wild. And so as people were starting to get wind of the business and started coming in, you, you get, you said you're 13 years old, like 
at the time when you were first introduced to it, Westerns were all the rage. Was that still the most popular genre or was there something else that was getting people's attention? You know, uh, new releases got people's attention because this was the bridge between HBO, cable, and, and, and at the time, it could be a year before movies came out. It would be nine months to a year. So then you would have it and then it would uh, go to HBO. HBO and Showtime uh, used to have exclusivity on different movies. And so I found early on, okay, Showtime wasn't available in our cable package in this area. So you could never watch these movies. And so that would be something we would push. Warner Brothers maybe was exclusive. There was some big studio that was exclusive to Showtime. And people just enjoy new releases. You know, that's just what it was always going to be. Just what's new? What's new? Do you remember any particular like promotions or things you were like running, whether it was just specials or things to get people through the door? So the one that pops into my mind, uh, there's a movie Casual Sex with Leah Thompson. I would go to the movies. I would drive an hour to see movies every weekend. She had a line about eating a donut and mineral water. So I thought, why don't I have donuts and serve mineral water when casual <laughs> sex comes out? I don't understand, but I did it because I was just having fun. And what were your rental fees at this time? Could you recall at all what, what you guys were charging? $1.50. Oh, okay. So cheap. And it was just one night. Yep. And we would buy new movies for $60, $50, $60. And then... 30 days after it came out, there were other companies who would then sell it to me for $30. Hmm. Or I could get on a program where I would buy it from them for $20 and then pay a fee each week and then send it back after 30 days. Oh, that's and interesting. So we would sometimes have four or five copies of movies. My excitement for movies did not translate necessarily to this small town. So we don't need several copies of casual sex. But I just thought it was funny. So we had three copies. We did not need three copies. <laughs> so there was a little overlay of a nerdy kid just loving movies, trying to bring this to a small town that didn't necessarily want it. Well, that's fun that you actually got to be in charge of the ordering and getting the movies in and on the shelves. Like, did you have a favorite section at a certain point that you were curating or was it just kind of most of them were your picks? So that came later because I didn't... This I didn't have the opportunity to build my own library because it was somebody else's business. That came later whenever I started curating and really paying attention to different genres because then I owned it. So why did you end up moving to a different location? Because you said you started at one Nickelodeon, then you went to another, right? I graduated high school and I went to college where the big Nickelodeon flagship store was. And I just started working there. Okay. And what was the biggest difference from that store to the one that you would help set up? Um, the thousands of movie, additional thousands of movie titles, uh, just customers coming in throughout the day. It was, it was busy and people enjoyed talking about movies. I first started working there. There was a movie Heathers. Do you remember that? Oh yeah. So Heathers had just started and I was obsessed with Heathers. So we gave out free corn nut packages to people who came in. And then I called the university education department and said, here's a movie about bullying. And they put it on the curriculum. 
And then we had a wall of you could say something that you were bullied by and people would write it down and stick it to a wall. And it was our bully, Heather's bully wall. I had forgotten about that. <laughs> yeah. The community of the video store obviously was a big part of why, you know, movie lovers especially would come in. Some people just looking for casual entertainment. Okay, I'll grab this. But a lot of people, I'm sure, love, love to be in there just to enjoy the space. Do you have a recollection of particular customers during your college days that either you were interacting with a lot or just stood out to you because they were real characters? Yes. You know, there was a time where video stores... Because where else would you go in and browse and look? A bookstore, perhaps. But that was a limited per type of people who would go in there. Video store was as if it were a bar. And there was a bartender or video store clerk. And people would come in and you would just talk and you would get to know people really, really well. Uh, there was a woman who came in and she reeked of alcohol. And she was returning movies late. And she just sat there and she pulled out her compact and she's putting her lipstick on. And she's like, I never thought my life would be like this. Wow. And then she came in a week later and removed her husband's name off her account. And he came in and he started an account and there was a war going on. Oh, I want to. And they would send their kids in to rent on the other's account. I had forgotten about that too. Yes. Game. <laughs> So you're, you're getting a whole drama that would be in a movie playing out in front of you at the video store. Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> now, for you then, what was the greatest perk then of moving to this bigger store and just, again, being part of this uh, larger establishment? There was a college and there was college students and they liked talking about movies. And I got to talk about movies. And I moved from Nickelodeon to Portalis Video and... I needed more hours and Nickelodeon couldn't give it to me. And this guy said, Hey, just manage it for me. It was making $2,500 a month. And he said, when you get it over $10,000 a month, you'll get a raise. And in th uh, five months, it was making 12,000 a month. Wow. Because was I was, <laughs> I was just going and talking to people. They would come in and I would just, Hey, what are you looking for? Well, let's go rent that Johnny handsome was a, do you remember this? I don't know if I know that one. I know Johnny Dangerously. So Johnny, yeah, Johnny Dangerously. Johnny Handsome uh, was a movie and it had just come out and I would, we used to get a bunch of posters. They would call it P.O.P. We'd get a bunch of posters and Johnny Handsome was a poster that came in and I started cutting it to make a window display. And then suddenly people were, hey, do you have Johnny Handsome? They would see it. It was so basic putting something on a window and people will come in. But I would just go talk to people and I would find them the perfect movie because I would watch everything. And then people would come in and then we started doing Landel's Choice or the other staff choice. But I needed to work. My parents were going bankrupt at the time. So I needed to work as many hours as possible and probably wasn't legal at the time to work 50 hours. But I was working a lot of hours and I was loving every second of it because and college students would come in and, oh, have you seen Godfather? You know, there was these things. Talk yeah. to me then, because obviously, you know, you're running the place, you're trying to get it, you know, moving up uh, in sales and things like that. But what about the employees that you were having to manage? Who were who were some of the, the faces in there? I'm imagining an Empire Records scenario, but you tell me. <laughs> uh, all of them at Portalis Video was just women. It And it, they were just uh, college students. They were already working whenever I came on board. 
and they showed up and they were nice. And it wasn't, we didn't have the payroll ability to have multiple people working at the same time, except on Friday and Saturday nights. And then it would just be two people. So the Empire Records, where it's all these characters, it was three of us running this entire store. And so the colorful characters, nothing that I worked at ever was a bunch of colorful characters. It was always me or later on, my mom would start working there. Oh, wow. And just uh, a couple of students here and there. And so what ultimately then was maybe like, you know, your favorite part of the job as a manager of, of running the place and then maybe the least favorite part of the job as you <laughs> had to deal with that day in, day out? The least favorite is always, always, always stolen property, movies that wouldn't get returned. I would go to people's houses, knock on their door, wow. get the movies back, chase people down because uh, that was also, I was responsible for it. So it's like, hey, you've got all of these movies. So I would go to people's houses. That was always terrible. That was always terrible. So is it just, do you think, were people just distracted because there are college students who weren't responsible or were they just like, hey, this is a great way to you know add to my library? No, uh, there's a, just some people who don't have the discipline to handle things quickly. And we probably know them in life right now. And there it's that was there was a lot of that. There was a lot of, hey, you can borrow this, loaning it out. And then it suddenly disappears amongst friends or family. That was probably the main part of it. But there's some people who just it's not their strong suit to get things returned. That makes sense. Yeah. But speaking of which, were there outside of you tracking them down, the customers that came in, can you recall any just like, whoa, what, what is going on here today? Like, why why is this person behaving this way? Or like, I can't believe, you know, we're, we're having to have a scene in the store. There was a person who, anytime he would see water on the floor, would fall. What? <laughs> uh, just... We, you know, we'd have put out the cones, but he would slip and fall. And police, uh, the ambulance came to get him once. He, to my knowledge, was not injured. But uh, if there was, and it, everybody knew who he was. Even when I would move to a different uh, store, my own store, everybody would kind of know who he was. What, was this a comedy bit for him? Like he's like, guys, I'm doing it today. And no, no, it was always very serious. And then his, and he would hit his head, and he wouldn't know where he was. I came in at the second time uh, whenever he called an ambulance came in. He didn't know, and he was very disillusioned and didn't know where, disoriented. He wasn't didn't know where he was. There was no like lawsuit or he was? There was no lawsuit, no. Wow. But uh, it was, yes. I have forgotten all of these stories I'm telling you. So it's like, this is nuts. This is that, nuts. That is wild. Yeah. Uh, now, can you recall a film just maybe in all your years of working in video stores, but do you recall one that just created the biggest frenzy? Like this is the new release and it was the biggest new release for an extended period. I do. And this was after I started my own store. It's a film, but it's also a director who, when his movies came out, because now we have chat rooms, you have groups you can find online so we can all find people that enjoy the same things we do. But there was one filmmaker that when his stuff came out, it electrified a lot of people because his stuff spoke to what I call a quiet sadness, quiet darkness in us. And the filmmaker's name is Tim Burton. Mm. And so suddenly when Tim Burton, uh, Beetlejuice came out and Winona Ryder, when Frankenweenie finally came out, 
uh, Batman, when Tim Burton movies came out, it spoke to a lot of people. And I don't know that they necessarily knew why, but maybe sometimes people may be a little bit more oddball. We're suddenly able to find other oddballs in a way that we didn't know how to connect with. And so there was a frenzy. There was an excitement when any of Tim Burton's movies would come out. Wow. And uh, the movie Dracula, Francis Ford Coppola, when that came out, that suddenly brought out a lot of people who were very passionate about it. Blade, when Blade came out, we hadn't seen things like that before. In a action superhero with blood coming from the ceiling in a meatball. There was a lot of horrific things to that under the guise of superhero. And it, those movies just suddenly popped in my head to answer that question. Yeah. So like before twilight vampires, always a big seller. <laughs> yes. Yep. Okay. Now what about this? So talk to us about the circumstances then that led you to opening your own store. Cause that's amazing. Like, and maybe at a time when the market was maybe a little volatile. So tell us about that. So at the time the market was just growing and I, my parents were going bankrupt and we were at a point where we had this crazy, we had $2,500 in a seat cushion in our house. And it's everything that we had saved up. And I had saved up and I was working another job at the time of video stores. And a guy came along and he's like, hey, I've got a video store in Earth, Texas. Earth, Texas. And he said, do you want to buy it? And they'll take payments. And that's what we did. And so I gave my notice. I opened my own store two weeks later. The movie Thelma and Louise and Drop Dead Fred were the first new movies that we got. That was what came out. And Life Stinks. Uh, we got those as our new release. And it was just out of desperation because I, my parents were going bankrupt and we were just in a state of flux. So I worked my own shop every day for two, the first two years. And I had two day, three days off in those first two years, open to close. And uh, it's just what I did. And I loved it. Loved it, but it was a trashy building. It was falling apart, but it's something I could get into quickly. Wow. So talk I had the support that. of the town. Yeah, yeah, because obviously people knew who you were. You're the movie guy at this point, I'm sure. You're moving into town. I named the store the box office. And one day a customer came in. He's like, oh, my God, here you are. I was wondering why you weren't at the other place, and they wouldn't tell me. He goes, you should put your name on this so we know where to find you. And so it became Landl's box office. And that's why I put the name on front. That is great. And so how did you then make this store your own? Because obviously, again, you're running stores for other people prior to that. Now it's all you. Did you take advantage of that opportunity to make it you know, truly unique to your sensibility? Looking back on it now, I did. I didn't understand. But because I was working, I didn't have payroll. So any money I made, I could buy movies. This was at a time where you didn't have the opportunity to buy a bunch of used VHS. Where would you go? There were businesses who a guy would be in a van and he would have a bunch of used VHS in there and he would pull up and I could go outside and look in the van, find titles, buy them from him or trade. So I would take titles that didn't rent for me, trade them and then pay a trade fee of like $10 and I would take that VHS. And I started building foreign films, art house films, 
uh, horror section, Mel Brooks section. I started building all of these. There is Frank Frazetta. Do you know who that is? Oh, sure. Fire and ice. And obviously so his- I had fire and ice and I was one of, I, nobody had heard of it, but the college suddenly started discovering it. So we had fire and ice. We had Fritz the cat, which was incredibly hard to get. And it was called VSDA, Video Software Dealership Association. And it was a national organization to bring video store owners together. And I became a board member for New Mexico. And every year they would have uh, conventions in Las Vegas. One year they had it in Dallas, but it would just be huge. And then that's how I was able to connect with used VHS companies to continue to curate. Because again, I, for some reason, understood the more specific things we could get, the more people would come to see. Yeah. Was there one in particular, whether it was personal to you or you just heard a lot of people saying, hey, can you get this? Can you get this? Was there a title that you were hunting? You know, Fire and Ice. And I don't, and I have never seen it, but I just, that was the thing that I searched for and found. And I think uh, the Hobbit, yeah, the animated Hobbit, that was just so popular. And then that led me to find others. Uh, horror films. I'm sure there's a horror film that's going to jump out at me soon. <laughs> well, it sounds like Ralph Bakshi, though, in general. The kids wanted Ralph Bakshi animation. At, at that time, yes. And we became, and in my mind, we became the cool place where college students could go find something that spoke to them. Now, during this time, obviously, DVD a few years later starts coming into the picture. So were you an early adopter? What was your thought as that format change was being introduced? So uh, in between, we had Laserdisc. And I went in all in on Laserdisc because it had commentary. And I was obsessed with that. And I absolutely love it. And uh, we even had The Abyss, several copies of The Abyss, because it had the extra, the new ending, which nobody could see before. We got burned on Laserdisc. So this was years later when DVD started coming out, Warner Brothers came out with a special and to get you started to seed your inventory, they would sell you 400 or maybe it was 150 DVDs really, really cheap, but you had to buy them all. So I think we invested several hundred dollars to get all of those. And that's how we started our DVD. And it was through them. We were the first in our little town. We had minor corporations put in little stores. There was a Showtime video. And when Scream Part 1 came out, they had 40 copies of it. We had eight. They were just much larger. And then the most aggressive chain, Movie Gallery, came into our town. And so what we tried to do is just more customer service and really find the niche because they were all new release and then they would sell it. So I'm curious, you know, as DVD is coming into the picture, then did you like in the early days of VHS and Betamax, did you have to rent out DVD players with the DVDs? Yes, we would be renting out VHS players. Betamax, we didn't. That was kind of went away by the time I started at the second Nickelodeon store. But yes, always renting out VHS players and they would come in a large black luggage and it was padded all the way around and you know you just you would rent it out you'd they bring it back and you would have to clean it all over because 
it was it would just be a mess. And I learned early on how to repair them, how to clean the heads. You know, you got to take it apart and do that because you never want to send it away. And then somebody's got to bring it back. It was quite a production, but we would always rent out VHS players. I don't remember when we stopped. And then the transition from VHS to DVD was slow to happen. But when Disney said, okay, we're not going to be making any more VHS we stopped, the whole industry stopped. The whole industry really, okay, we're done. When Disney said we're done. And that reminds me, Disney had this thing called the vault. Yes. <laughs> so Disney would have the vault and they would release things on VHS. And if you didn't get it, it would go into the vault and never be released again for how, and it was always secretive on what they would do. And I just remember Disney was always, a pain. Although it feels like in a way the video rental store would be that would be a boon for you because it's like, oh, we have the the VHS you can no longer buy at the store, so come rent it, right? Like yes. Now Disney also made it an easy target for what am I going to steal? Um, I'm going to go rent something. What am I going to go steal? And it was always the Disney. Mm. Always the Disney. That's crazy because nowadays, like, you know, I'm a big VHS collector. Every thrift store, the only thing they carry is Disney VHS everywhere. <laughs> you know, so if people oh, knew, it wouldn't be that rare. But like literally most of my Goodwills that I go around, like they all stopped and they say we only stock Disney clamshell VHS now. And I'm like, no, I don't need any more. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Yes, I uh, we paid $120 for Little Mermaid because wow. we had to have it and it. Yeah. So, and let me ask you this then. So um, you're talking about theft and other people we've spoken to that have worked at like bigger chains, like Blockbuster and places like that, where they rented video games. They said video games were the number one most stolen item. Did you guys get into video games as well? We did. And that was, yes, that's the most stolen because people uh, were crafty. Most of the time with the kids' movies, people would come in purposely to steal games. Purposely to steal games. What was their method? Like, how would you catch people? What were they doing? They would rent, but give a fake name or a fake. They would use their ID, but not give us the uh, right phone number or right address. So when we would go follow up. So then we call the university and see if that person is registered and then go that way. Or where we had a local military base and we would call to see if that person was military. Nothing against military. Sometimes they would be active military and their commander would. Uh, get that <laughs> game back for us. Yeah, it well. was always it, and people would not steal it, but then they would keep it for two weeks and then return it and then not come in to pay the late fee. Mm-hmm. So, so then again, you, you know, you're running your your own business for all these years. You're you're kind of starting to see okay streaming is becoming a thing, you know, like getting things digitally is starting to become a thing. So what was your first inclination that the video rental market might be in trouble? When Blockbuster closed down, because streaming was always there. It was always an idea. But uh, in my memory, studios couldn't figure out how to do it. But every year at VSTA, they would talk about the impending threat of streaming. How is that going to change things? And when Netflix came out, it was, of course, popular, but then they would have Orange is the New Black. And when we got that on DVD to rent, it was so popular. It was so incredibly popular. 
Our TV section later on became one of our most popular sections. Game of Thrones, these things, Dexter, just so incredibly popular. And Netflix, you know, hurt us, but what hurt us more, because when they started to do that, piracy became even bigger. When people could stream, piracy became a lot, lot larger problem. And in my opinion, that is what damaged the video industry faster than any Netflix or streaming by far just share it around and yeah just share it yeah. Around. Um, there were people who would come in every tuesday maniacal to see okay they wanted to be there when we would open the boxes we used to get our movies every tuesday and then they started sending it to us on friday people would come in to watch us open the boxes so they could get ready for tuesday that's how excited they were those people suddenly stopped coming in and then they started piracy they would print it on a dvd start passing it around we would have a people from church every Sunday, they would return pirated movies into my Dropbox and then they would come back in and say, oh, I, and I said, you realize this is theft, right? No, no, they found it on the internet. That wow. was happening up until 2018 and it's piracy 1000%. So how did you try to cling on a little bit longer than most? Cause you're saying Blockbuster's closing, you're still going. So what was the secret then at that point to, to getting people through the door still? It was stubbornness on not seeing the writing on the wall. We put in cell phone repair. And then uh, in 20, 2015, we were faced with closing. And instead, we moved to a new location and opened a cafe inside of it. So cafe, coffee shop, and then video rentals. And that 2016, our sales boosted 40%. Suddenly we were popular again. And then it just started going right back down over the years. Wow. In 2019, it really took a hit and there was just like no way we can continue. So we made a decision to stop. Yeah. So I'm, I'm thinking of two stages at this point. So obviously at a certain point, DVD is the dominant format and then Blu-ray is coming into the picture. But what did you do with all your VHS inventory at, at one point? Did you have one of those companies to sell to? Did you just sell it in store? What did you do? No, there was We sold it in store, but we were still left with an enormous amount. And so we just, what everybody did, you just take it to Goodwill, you donate. There were some people, there's one woman, Kathy. She used to bring her grandkids in to rent all the time. And she would rent. And she later in life got to where she couldn't leave the house much. And she wanted, somebody said, would you give some VHS for her? And we took her bags full of VHS to her house and just, here you go. So she got the video store experience at home, literally. Yes, because there is, at the time, there was no value to VHS anymore. People just, when they switched, they switched. And then same with your actual physical discs at the end of, of your run of having the physical store? So it's called Rentrack. And they did a pay-per transaction, PPT. And Rintrack would be the middle person between the video stores and the studios. And so instead of me buying it outright, I would revenue share with the studios. So Rintrack every Friday would send me everything I ordered. And it would cost me $1.50 per disc. Once I opened it, $1.50. And then every time it rented, the studio would get a cut. So I'm sending a Rintrack every week they're deducting from my bank account and that's what a lot of chains would do 
And whenever we closed, we ended that contract and our distributor told me at Rintrack, when you announce that you're selling, people are going to come out of the woodwork you've never seen before. And we didn't believe her. When we announced we were closing, we were selling, we were so busy with people coming in to buy movies. I was shocked. I was shocked. Wow. And our most popular the thing people wanted first and foremost was the TV section. Really? I, I, I would have thought it would have been horror, but that's interesting. Horror was pop horror was very, very popular, but it was the TV section that went right away. Yeah. And you know, I culled things down, uh, like near dark. You know, there are some things I pulled that, you know, had higher value, but yeah, TV section by far. Interesting. So speaking of again, the things you're pulling and recognizing. Over the years, I'm sure there were a lot of like promotional items, especially the 80s and 90s when the studios were trying to get you to buy more copies. Do you recall any particular promotional items that, you know, caught your attention that always stood out to you? They won back whenever I had my own working whenever I was 15. There was a movie Roxanne that came out. And as a promotional thing, they sent 10 nose long noses that you could just and it was just a silly little thing that went around but it was a long paper nose and had a little bird sitting on the top and i would just wear it and talk to customer and just pretending like i'm not wearing it <laughs> that pops to mind but uh pump up the volume christian slater they gave us a little walkman that had pump up the volume on it and little antenna that you would pull out so you could listen to the radio you know that was kind of a high i it was like radio really when you would go to the VSDA convention in Las Vegas, they would just give away stuff constantly for things that you would not necessarily hear of. Frisbees, here's a shirt. But I think the pump up the volume thing is the one that I hold the most pleasure with just because I still think it's cool. And it has only gotten cooler as I've gotten older. And did you hang on to that then? You still I did. That? Wow. Yeah, yeah. That's fantastic. I'll send you a picture. Yeah, I'd love to see it. That's great. Um, so-, so we still have a box of stuff that was freebie and i have not really gone through the box in 15 years because the pins uh with honors brendan fraser movie there was a lot of pins that they would give you you know who wears a pin but yeah they would just give pins all these giveaways yeah that's awesome and uh we've also heard like you're saying at the conventions in vegas that there'll be obviously like directors and stars of the films helping to promote among you know the the retailers was there a particular like celebrity interaction or someone you were excited to to meet up with at a convention the one i had the most fondness for later the movie had not come out yet she was brand new talent and it's very humbling to be somebody nobody knows with a movie that hasn't come out is coming out in two weeks and she's sitting there beautiful very nice and just I, oh yeah. And you know, just so sincere. And the movie was called The Mask and it was Cameron Diaz. Oh yeah. And you know, she was so nice, but there was not a line. So I talked to her for a while and she, and she was talking. She was like, so where's your story? And just very, very nice and kind. The person that most excited to meet that was disappointing. And I don't usually like saying, oh, here's a, but it was Estelle Getty. Oh, <laughs> yeah. She had a workout video. And, you know, it was probably in her contract to do this, but she was not happy to be there. And she could have had a lot of stuff going on in her life. And was, yeah, That's it was wild. not pleasant. <laughs> 
I mean, I wonder if there would have been any different reaction if it was stop or my mom will shoot that she was promoting. Who knows? Right. right? <laughs> but the, they would spend a lot of money to get big stars. Uh, Austin Powers, Mike Myers was there. Oh. Stallone was there. There were just really, really big names. We met Scarlett Johansson because she was there at the Horse Whisperer. And now going through all the autographs years later, we're like, oh my gosh, we have Brian Cranston because he was in a movie you never heard of. <laughs> and he was there to promote it well before Malcolm in the Middle. So it's a lot of fun to go through and see. Yeah, that's so neat. Yeah, again, because you were, you know, a lot of people think, oh, well, you make the movies, but selling the movies to people, getting them out into, you know, the the local areas, you guys are a part of the film industry doing that. So it's wonderful that you get to interact that way and like all levels, everybody can uh, get to know each other and cooperate. Uh, But as you think back now, and obviously you invested decades in this business, in this love of of film and being surrounded by it. Is there like a favorite memory of the video rental experience uh, that you can pull out that you just say, ah, I always think about this and that's what it was all about. When we announced that we were closing, I had a lot of messages from people who they didn't feel like they fit in. A lot of them, they felt like they were isolated and movies were their escape. And so they could come in and they could feel They'd feel welcome, but they would find things that spoke to them as only movies can. And when we announced that we were closing, I got a lot of messages from people who were very sad, but they just shared their love of movies, but just for our story also. I moved to Los Angeles. My store was open 28 years. I moved to Los Angeles about 20 years ago. So my mother took it over. And as a mom can sometimes do, she's very maternal. She started working and she became a mother figure to a lot of people. And that affected a lot of people as well. I'm lucky my mom is still here. And there was a lot of love. What I love most about the memories is just providing people, because I grew up on a farm and I had to fight to watch television and I had to fight to watch movies. It wasn't something that came easy. I enjoy giving that and giving people a chance to have that. Later on, it became a, well, of course, movies are here. But there was a time where it meant something different. And just the responsibility of saying, pay me $2 and here's two hours of your life you're going to enjoy. And I still hold that very sacred. And one person, after we announced we were closing, he drove up to our shop. He was going to come in. He was visiting. He hadn't been back to Portales in years. He sent a message and he started crying in the parking lot and couldn't come in. He had accidentally stolen a movie, as one does sometimes. You know, it just gets lost and you realize when you move, oh my gosh. And he felt such guilt, but he, yeah, he all everything came back up whenever he was about to go into the store where he was a little kid. And I, I, I don't understand that memory, but I understand what it meant to him. And it was just a nice, touching thing to see. Did that answer your question? Yeah, definitely did. I mean, that 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 is what it is all about, ultimately, is, like you say, those relationships, the emotion, what people, the connection people have to movies that you have yourself, and you were able to, to share that and promote that among all your customers and people you got to know. So I think that that is always the most common response. Anybody we've ever talked to, uh, you know, over the, the three seasons we've been doing this, people are just like, it's the people. It's always about the people. 
So that's just wonderful. So, well, that's awesome. Um, and I want to thank you so much for sharing these stories. And again, your dedication to this business, which again, has gone away. So many of us, you know, love it. It's why we're doing this show. It's why people listen to this show. And yet, you know, we talk to people who are in the business just as long as you. We've made trips out to their stores, well, you know, before they've closed. And it's it's just so wonderful to see, again, like you say, a little bit of stubbornness, but also just the passion for what what it all meant for all those years. So those movies I've mentioned, Romancing the Stone Halloween in terms of endearment, I always carry with me. But there is a movie in 2015 or 2016 when I didn't know what I was going to do, close the store. I rented a movie called The Final Girls, and it made me fall in love with movies again. And I don't know how it did it, but it just inspired me to keep fighting. So, yeah, movie affected me, too. Fantastic. Thanks for listening and subscribing to Rental Return. Check today's show notes to connect with our featured video hero. Also follow at TRN Social on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for more on Season 3 and to leave feedback. If you're a former video store employee and want to chronicle your story for an upcoming season of Rental Return, connect with host Adam on Twitter at Coolander or send him an email at hojukoolander at gmail.com. Links also in today's show notes. If you'd like to become a VIP of the Retro Network and show your support for Rental Return and other network shows, visit patreon.com forward slash the Retro Network. Your VIP status gets your name in the show notes, access to the VIP lounge chat on Slack, and exclusive content. Join us next time for more tales from the video store on Rental Return. This has been a presentation of the Retro Network.